Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. But who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? God has revealed his mind to us through the word. And so at the end of this reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And the church will respond. Thank you. Our reading for today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 5, from verses 1 to 4. 1 Peter chapter 5, from verses 1 to 4. I read. To the elders amongst you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, City Church. It is just a delight to be with you. As uh, Pastor Femi has said, my name is James Sharp, and it's my joy to, well, honestly, um, there are just a number of things that are a joy to me that um, I'm realizing as I sit among you this morning. um, Certainly, it's my joy to open God's Word with you this morning and to share with you the words spoken by the one who spoke the world into existence. Right? It's my joy to uh, sit with you under the authority of God's word and let God's word kind of press itself into our hearts and into our lives. But I'll also add to you that it really has just been a joy for me to be able to serve you and your church over the last five years as a part of City Church's management team. And I think I can speak on behalf of every member of that team. It's really been just a sweet joy to us to get to walk alongside you by walking alongside your leaders. It's been a sweet joy to us to get to see what the Lord has done in and through and among the people of City Church. Um, And it's just been a sweet joy to get to know your leaders. Um, I hope you know what a gift the Lord has given you in the men and the women that he has called to serve you and to lead you. Your leaders are humble, they are godly, they are bright, they are passionate, and maybe the most significant thing I can say They love you, right? You are a beloved congregation. And so I hope that you will give thanks to the Lord today and every day that you are a part of City Church for uh, the men and the women that he has called and assembled um, to to shepherd you and to lead you as a church. Um, That's one of the things that I praise God for, and I hope that you do as well. Um, When Femi asked me um, to share with you this morning, well, first of all, I should say a couple of things. Um, He apologized repeatedly for the fact that I only had 35 minutes to share with you. Um, And I'll just tell you, that's one significant difference between the Nigerian church and the American church, because among my people, if I speak for 35 minutes, they are very much ready for me to be done, right? (laughs) But I get the sense that perhaps at City Church that is not the case. 
Um, so that's one thing that I should say now. Um, as one of the people who helps hold Femi accountable, if ever, you have a sense that maybe he needs to be a little bit closer to that 35 minute mark. <laughs> I'm glad to have that conversation on your behalf. And so you, you can find me. <laughs> Secondly, I, already there's a hand in the air. That's great. <laughs> Secondly, I will say, um, I think there is a unique uh, temptation that we might fall into on a day like this one. This is indeed just a special day, right? A significant milestone day in the life of City Church because this is a day in which we are going to ordain elders and which your church will begin to be led by a plurality of biblically qualified shepherds who will pastor you into your future. That's a sweet and significant day. But I just want us to be aware of the fact that as we do that, we might be um, deceived into thinking that today is about the men whom we will ordain as elders. Right? We might be deceived into thinking that everything that's going to be said from behind this podium, from this point forward, is really about Francis and about Moses. And that we, therefore, as the people who are sitting here, we don't really need to like hear a message this morning. But of course, we would acknowledge that we would be just profoundly misguided to think that even as we sit under a passage of scripture that's talking to elders and that is about elders, that there is not something in that that we need to hear. And so I prayed for you this morning that the Lord would give each of us eyes to see in his word and ears to hear the message that his spirit intends to lodge deeply in our hearts today. And of course, throughout the time that I'm in front of you, now 31 minutes, Throughout the time that I'm in front of you, I'm going to be speaking directly to Francis and to Moses as we go. But there will also be many moments when I pause and I speak to all of us, to, to the people of City Church, who will be led by the elders that we ordain today. So let us turn to God's word with that in mind. Um, I have a, a nephew back at home. I have a nephew whose name is Ezra. Ezra is seven years old, and he is one of my favorite little human beings on the planet. Um, I love Ezra for a number of reasons. He's the son of my younger brother, um, and he and my brother and his wife, they live in Dallas, Texas. But Ezra is one of my favorite people because he is a bundle of energy, and he is also um, one of those children whom in America we would say that he is strong-willed. And what that really means is that he just does not follow instructions at all. And I take a particular delight in that because I remember what a snot my brother was when he was young. And I feel like it is just the justice of the Lord to bestow upon him someone who is as strong-willed as my younger brother once was. But Ezra, he, he really is a remarkable child. I remember when he, was, when he was very young, when he was two or three years old, he quickly developed a reputation as a bit of a runner. And what I mean is that like any time you were out in public with Ezra, if he sensed that his parents or whoever was responsible for him wasn't paying close enough attention to him, like he would just bolt in whatever direction would take him as far as possible from those who were supervising him. And so I remember one day when my brother and I took Ezra to the park and he was playing at the park and the second my brother and I would get you know, engrossed in a conversation and our attention would be diverted from him, he would just sprint off in the other direction. And I think my brother and I each ran a 10K that day because we were just chasing him down and bringing him back to the park and chasing him down and bringing him back to the park over and over and over again. Ezra's grown out of that habit, thankfully, as he 
he's grown older. But I've always thought about that as just a really wonderful picture of the natural condition of the human heart. We are all, as the English hymn writer says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And now for some of us, some of the time, that wandering from the Lord, it does look very much like my nephew Ezra sprinting away from his parents at the park. Right? Sometimes we look the Lord squarely in the eye and we think that we will just deliberately and willfully and immediately disregard the Lord's will and purposes and ways, and we will run from him. That, that happens among us some of the time. But in my experience, it is rare. Far more common is a slow and subtle drift away from the Lord. Far more common among God's people is just a, a steady, under-the-radar drifting away from delighting in the things of God and in the person of God himself. Right, it's a rare Christian who wakes up one day and says, you know what, I'm done with this whole following Jesus thing. I'm going in a different direction. But every single day, each and every one of us, we're tempted in ways that may, maybe we can't perceive at all. We're tempted to drift from God. Perhaps that means that we've become so used to setting our eyes on the sensual images that kind of bombard us through media that we begin to think that yeah, there's, a, there's a joy offered by those images that the Lord himself cannot offer us. Perhaps that means that we've, we've let our ears be pricked by gossip about other people or maybe even slander about other people so much and we've even started to contribute to that gossip and that slander so much that we feel this high when we know something about somebody else that we can then say to a third person that we feel like cannot be replaced by our relationship with the Lord. And, and maybe it's just the simple matter of neglecting basic spiritual disciplines, the, the means of grace that the Lord uses ordinarily to transform his people. Maybe we just have, have stopped reading the Bible or we've stopped praying to him individually or corporately as a part of God's people. Maybe we've stopped worshiping in, in rooms like this one with families of God like this one. And just slowly and steadily and subtly over time, right, our affection for the Lord has diminished. Our love for other things has increased so that we cannot possibly in our hearts treasure Jesus Christ above all things. And we have wandered from the Lord. So what do we do about the fact that we wander? What do we do about the fact that we are prone to drift away from the God that we love? Well, one of the things that we can do, and it's so helpful on this wonderful day on which we are ordaining elders, we can recognize that God in his goodness has given to his people shepherds. And those shepherds, it is their responsibility to help keep us from wandering and to bring us back to him when we do wander. That's the thrust of this passage that we read in 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, it outlines really four things. Verses 1 and 2, they talk to us about the elder's task. Verses 2 and 3, they talk to us about the elder's character. Verse 4 talks about the elder's 
reward. And then I'm even going to say just a few words about verse 5, which describes to us the church's response to those things. And so let's move through those four ideas together this morning. Task, character, reward, and response. In each of these things, we see God's goodness to us, people who are prone to wander from him. So first, the elder's task. Look back with me at verse 1. Peter writes, so I exhort the elders among you. Now, just to be clear, Femi said that, that you've already covered this as a church, but we, we need to think about who Peter is addressing here, right? Who is Peter exhorting? The New Testament, it uses three words, the words elder and pastor and overseer, to refer to the people that God has called to provide spiritual leadership in local churches, those are the people that Peter's exhorting here. And so he's exhorting pastors like Pastor Femi. And he's exhorting elders like Moses and Francis, whom we will ordain this morning. But I want you to pay attention to how particularly Peter exhorts these church leaders. He says, I exhort the elders among you. As a fellow elder, he's establishing his credibility. As a fellow elder and as a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And then here's the exhortation. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So Peter, he urges these church leaders to shepherd the people of their church, the sheep of their flock. And he describes that task as exercising oversight. Or perhaps other translations will say things like watching over them or caring for them. The idea here is one of careful and watchful and loving pastoral oversight. That's the task of an elder in Christ's church. But what does that mean exactly? How is an elder to exercise oversight over and to care for his people? What must that involve? Well, throughout the church's history, the shepherding work of an elder, it's been described really in three ways as Shepherds, elders must feed their sheep, they must protect their sheep, and they must care for their sheep. Let's just consider each of those briefly together. Elders are to feed their sheep. Just as a literal shepherd is responsible for leading his sheep to fields of green grass where they can graze, biblical shepherds, they're responsible for leading their sheep to places where they can be nourished by the word of God. Right? It is the responsibility of a church's elders to ensure that their flock consumes a healthy and well-rounded diet of Scripture. Surely this must be the most critical of a church leader's tasks. Right? It will benefit the sheep little if they are well-protected and well-cared for if they are also starving. Right? Healthy sheep and healthy churches, they are churches that regularly feast on the truths of God's word. And so Francis and Moses and Yemi, I remind you this morning, I don't need to instruct you of this, you know this already, but I remind you, feeding your sheep, it is the most critical task that's before you, right? If everything at City Church thrives except your teaching of God's word, you will have failed, right? If your facility is magnificent, if your social media presence is on point and reaching people, if your music stirs the affections of God's people, and if your theological vision for ministry is precise, but you have failed to adequately nourish your people with the word of God, your ministry will not have been 
a success. But conversely, you can be mediocre at many things, right? Your facility can be inconveniently located. Your music can be uninspiring. Your gospel communities can be confused. But if your people are faithfully fed a nourishing diet of God's word, they will grow and your church will grow. The Lord, he never fails to accomplish his work through his word by the power of his spirit among his people. The Lord never fails to do what he has promised to do when his word is upheld. And so give yourselves above all to faithfully feeding your sheep. And then, of course, having fed your sheep, protect your sheep. Like literal shepherds fighting off wolves and other predators, so must the church's elders fight off teachers that are false and divisive influences people from inside and outside of the flock that can, can creep in and harm the sheep. And then elders must care for their sheep, just as literal sheep will become wounded or ill, requiring extra attention from their shepherds. So too do spiritual sheep. We become wounded. We become ill. There are times when we require extra love and care from our spiritual leaders. Living in a broken world, sin wreaks havoc on our lives and in our lives. And so we need elders who can care for us when we are sick, when we are wounded. This is the task of an elder, shepherding the flock by feeding and protecting and caring for the sheep entrusted to them by Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd. Every wise Christian should want leaders who will shepherd them as Peter describes here. Every wise Christian should want elders who will care for us in these ways. But I'll say, many of us, if we're honest, we don't actually want leaders like this. Many of us would prefer leaders who will mind their own business and leave us alone. Right? Many of us, we want leaders who will keep to themselves and maybe share an encouraging word from time to time. They'll tell us the things that we want to hear rather than the things we need to hear. But many of us, we are content with an isolated and individualized version of Christianity that keeps the leadership of faithful elders at an arm's length. Perhaps this is not an issue in the church in Nigeria. In the church in America, it's a devastating issue, right? Christians in America are convinced that their faith in Jesus is a personal matter and a private matter, full stop. There's this spirit of like rugged, individualized Christianity that pervades us. And American Christians, they tend to think, so long as I have myself and my Bible and Jesus, I don't need anyone else or anything else. And so I hope and pray that Nigerian Christians are far wiser than we are. Because everything, everything that Peter says here, it assumes that we need shepherds, right? The Bible's vision for a healthy and flourishing Christian is a Christian who is submitted to healthy and flourishing leaders. The Bible's vision for a healthy and flourishing Christian is a Christian who is plugged into a healthy and flourishing church family. We need one another. This passage is reminding us of that by telling us about the kind of leader that we need to follow. I hope you'll also notice that Peter tells us that these leaders are worth following. He does that by describing their character. He spends more time talking about their character than he talks about their task. 
That's the second thing we can consider. Look again at verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. And then listen, he says, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Essentially here, as Peter describes the kind of leader worth following, he's describing a leader who will lead the way that Jesus himself did. Right? Jesus, he was not forced to love or to serve or even to die for his sheep. He did these things willingly. Jesus did not come to earth so that he might gain something from his sheep. No, on the contrary, Jesus came to earth so that he could lay down his life for his sheep, giving them the thing that they needed most, an atoning sacrifice for their sins. Jesus did not lead by domineering his people, but by example, right? He never coerced the obedience of any of his followers, even though he easily could have. Instead, he gave us a stunning example of humble obedience to his Father, of loving humility, right? And elders of Christ's church, they should lead the same way. As Peter says, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over others but as examples to the flock. Now, the way that Peter describes the character of an elder here, I think it should hit us in at least two ways this morning. First, and most obviously, I do hope that Peter's description of the character of an elder would shape your prayers for your present and future leaders here at City Church. Right? I pray that you would pray that the leaders that you have would increasingly reflect this kind of character. And I pray that you would pray that the leaders you will one day have would grow into this kind of maturity and this kind of character. I pray that the Lord will continue to raise up leaders who look like this at City Church, who lead with this kind of Christ-honoring character. But secondly, I hope that you will let Peter's description of an elder's character I hope that you will let it shape your desire for the kind of person that you are becoming. I hope that you will just lay these verses before you as a target for your growth in Christian maturity. I hope that that's true, whether you aspire to serve your church as a leader or not. But the elders of Christ's church they don't come from their mother's wombs in some kind of super spiritual state that qualifies them to lead Christ's church from birth. No, they are ordinary and willing men who have matured over time. Eventually, because of that maturity, others have noticed it and they've encouraged them to consider church leadership. But the point that I'm making is that if Francis and Moses can grow into this kind of maturity, so can you so should you, right? All of us really should strive to be mature in the way that Peter calls elders to be mature. Furthermore, I would add to City Church in Lagos, right, that pursuing maturity like this, it is one of the key ways that the Lord will accomplish City Church's vision for the renewal of Lagos through the gospel. Right, the renewal of Lagos, that's not something that's going to happen because a bunch of extraordinary Christians show up and do a bunch of extraordinary things for Jesus' sake in their city. No, the renewal of Lagos is going to happen when a bunch of ordinary Christians like you show up and do a bunch of ordinary things, like the things that you do every single day, 
ordinary people doing ordinary things, but following the extraordinary example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? When we live like Jesus lived, that has a transformative power that exudes itself upon our city. And if we long for the renewal of Lagos, that's why City Church was planted. That's the vision and the prayer that has driven men like those who are on the management team with me to invest in your church because we long to see the renewal of Lagos. I tell you that the, that renewal will come when every one of you pursues in your daily life the kind of character that Jesus demonstrates and that Peter exhorts elders to have in the church. And so think about your work, whatever you do for work, if you're a teacher or a banker or an engineer or whatever, right? if you do that work not under compulsion, but willingly, that will change your city. Right? The renewal of Lagos will happen when the people of City Church love and serve their neighbors and their families, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And the renewal of Lagos will happen when the people of City Church lead in their businesses and in their communities, not in a way that's domineering over those in their charge, but following the example of Jesus. Church, you can see the transformation of Lagos through the gospel when the people of Jesus start to lead and to live the way Jesus himself would lead and live were he among you today. In your occupations, in your families, in your communities, when the people of City Church start to reflect the selfless humility and the service of Jesus in every area of their lives, right? it will be through those ordinary things done by ordinary Christians reflecting the extraordinary character and grace of Jesus, that your city and my city will be transformed by the gospel. And so we should look to the character that Peter commands elders to have, and we should pursue that kind of character for ourselves, each and every one of us. Don't you long to see your city changed in this way? Don't you long to see yourself changed in this way? Don't you long to become the kind of person that Peter describes here for the glory of Christ, for the good of your city, for the good of your church? I pray that you do. Thirdly, we see in our passage the elders' reward. Look again with me at verse 4. Peter tells elders, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, the chief shepherd is Jesus Christ himself, and he will appear again at the end of the days to, to judge the living and the dead. When Christ first appeared, he came as a sacrificial lamb, but when he appears again, he will come as the chief shepherd, the true ruler of all people and all things, and he will come to claim his true sheep as his own. But when he comes, he will present to elders, to those who have shepherded his flock between his two appearings, he will present to them an unfading crown of glory. Now, in the Greek world, the, the world that Peter has in mind as he writes these words, when an athlete won a competition, a crown was placed on his head, and that crown was made of leaves. Right? It faded over time. It withered. Eventually, it deteriorated to nothing but dust. Peter makes the point that the crown of glory that Christ will give to elders in his church, it is unfading. 
It shall never perish or spoil or fade. Church, I pray that you will pray that your elders might never lose sight of this eternal reward. Right? Pray that this vision would give them courage and faithfulness to persevere as they shepherd you, the flock of God that is among them. And then lastly this morning, let's just consider for a brief moment how the church should respond to such elders. And I'll just read to you what Peter says in the very next verse, in verse 5, when he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so he singles out submission and humility. But that's how we can sum up a church's response to her leaders. In these two virtues, all of us have even more opportunities to live and to look like Jesus did. Jesus, he submitted himself to his heavenly Father, even to the point of death on the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to his Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he submitted himself to that will, even though it was agonizing and unjust. And Jesus was humble, right? He wrapped around his waist the towel. He carried the basin to wash his disciples' feet in the upper room. He didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death. No one was more deserving of status than Jesus was, and yet no one was more humble. And so church, let us be like Jesus in our humble submission to our leaders a gauge of your faithfulness and maturity will be the humble submission that you demonstrate to your elders as they shepherd you like Jesus did. Now, I hope you'll give me just one final thought this morning. I've been speaking as if everyone here is a part of Christ's flock, and I really shouldn't do that because some of us here have surely wondered Maybe we still sit among the sheep every week and we kind of go through the motions that sheep go through. But the truth is our hearts are very far from the Lord today. And perhaps others of us are here and we've really just never thought of ourselves as sheep. We've never considered ourselves to be Christians. Maybe we're skeptical about Christianity. Maybe we're just put off by all of the hypocrisy that we see displayed among Christians. And maybe we're just confused about what Christianity really is. And I just want to tell you, if you are here and you are far from the Lord this morning, I have an encouragement for you. Right? The world that we live in, it tells us that the only way we can be happy is to have things our own way. Right? The world tells us that if we want to be happy, we have to be our own masters. We have to blaze our own trails. We have to follow our own hearts. But the truth is we make terrible masters. Right? Just think about how fickle your own heart is. Think about how selfish your own heart can be. There's no way we should trust ourselves to know what will really make us happy. But there is a master out there who is not fickle and he is not selfish. He is completely trustworthy, he is wise, he is good, and he loves you so completely that he laid down his life for you to pay the penalty your sin required, and to free you 
from your selfish heart. That master, he longs for you to know him. He longs to number you as one of his sheep in his flock. And I know that there are many people in this room who would love to share more with you about him after we conclude today. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.